Hello there, and a very warm welcome to Des's Island Discs. In a hectic world, this is a little oasis of calm and nostalgia from our guests who choose pieces of music that remind them of a particular time or story from their life or career. Now, if you're listening on podcast, we cannot play the music because of copyright laws. But really, this is about stories. So let's hear them. Des's Island Discs on RTE Radio 1. Hello there. My name is Des Cahill and today's visitor to the island is core comedian and actor Frank Toomey. Frank, you're very welcome. Young, Hi, Des. Younger listeners will have known you from back in their childhood with, with Bosco. How did you end up on Bosco? How did I end up on Bosco? Well, that's a long story, but I'll shorten it for you, Des. Basically, I was... Uh, I was out of work and uh, I was very friendly with Mark Cagney who was working in RT at the time and he told me that there were auditions for Bosco in the Scouts Hall in Donnybrook. I saw Bosco listed in the papers every day but I actually believed that it was Bosco Hogan, the actor. <laughs> I had no idea it was a puppet or anything like that. And I, Anyway, off I went full of the joys out to the, the Scouts Hall in Donnybrook the first person I saw uh, was uh, Marion Richardson. And I remember thinking, God almighty, what is she doing here? Jesus, she's she's auditioning for everything, but she just go home. Like I, I really thought it was a kind of an adult yeah. thing. Anyway, Paul Lambert came out and introduced herself. And I don't know what it was, but just Paul and myself hit it off immediately. And uh, she told me what was going to be happening, took Bosco out of her bag like introduced me to it and I, I kind of thought oh god like uh, this was a mistake how long ago anyway look in we went we we did the rehearsal and because I was so laid back in as much as I thought I'm not going to get this in a month or so days <laughs> and, and I, so I was I was laid back to a fault as they say this and next is I was told yeah look we'll, uh, we'll be on to you and I got the job, and that was in 83, 1983. And, and had you worked with a puppet before? I hadn't worked, I uh, know. I worked with people who were, who were wooden, but I, <laughs> I didn't work with a puppet, no, no. But you know something, I, I, like, I had no experience of, of puppetry or children's entertainment. And uh, so that was a whole new learning curve for me. I met through Paula, I met her family, Eugene Lambert, all the, the puppet theatre in Monkstown. Like, that was mind-blowing for me. Yeah. And what 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 had what kind of acting had you been doing before Bosco? I had been do I had just finished touring with Manning Men at Twenty, yeah. an old Pearson production. I I up to then I was kind of uh, like I'd I'd been in One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, uh, with Liam Neeson and Ray McNally, and that was my first professional gig. And then I did Oliver in the Olympia, which ran for. I don't know, for years. And then I got the contract for Wasco, so... And the rest is history, Des. Yeah, but but just to go back there, you yeah. mentioned doing uh, working with Liam Neeson and Ray McAnally. That's right. Because that was... That cast. was an amazing experience because it was one flew over the cuckoo's nest, the stage production. Yeah. Uh, Noel Pearson was in Cork um, to see West Side Story. They were going to be doing it in Dublin, but I don't know if you'd remember this, Des, but the Olympia, the roof of the Olympia fell in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you remember that? I do. And they had to cancel the the production. So, no, Pearson came to Cork uh, to see the Cork version. 
And we got talking in the bar afterwards and he said something like, do you, uh, do you know, you're very good in that, like, for, for, for a young fellow playing an older man. Like, I thought, I was very impressed. He said, more or less, what would you like to do? And I said, I'd love to be an actor. He said, you will never be an actor in Cork. Then he offered me the job of uh, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Uh, did I want to be in that? And I said, do I what? He said, there's no lines in it now, you're, but you're on stage all night. I was on stage all night with, like I said, Ray McNally, Liam Neeson, John Kavanagh, Joan O'Hara. And uh, I used to get to tell Nurse Ratchet to go and, uh, to go and F off in at the start of Act Two. Yeah. She used to say something like, are you still there with that teddy bear? And I used to say, I'll go away and F yeah. off. <laughs> yeah, great, great. And what a contrast from that then to go to Bosco. But you enjoyed Bosco. I loved it. Like, when we were doing it, like, we were aware and keenly aware that it was preschool children's programme. I had no idea, A, of the reach of television, but I also certainly had no idea that at that time of the afternoon, that many people, as in adults, <laughs> parents, would yeah. be watching. Yeah. But, like, there was only RT2 and RT1, so they were watching it as a consequence of that. I used to be, I used to be amazed, um, even getting the train or whatever, that people would say, sorry, uh, I think I know your face. And, you know, you'd be saying anything and then they'd say, Bosco. But still, yeah. would you believe I was in The Young Offenders, Des? It's true as God, I was in The Young Offenders. Christmas special, two yeah. years ago. And that's what they said. I saw you in... Uh, I saw you in the young offense. That's very good, Bosco. Bosco, wouldn't it? Bosco. <laughs> that was my name. So I just say, yeah, yeah, yeah. Your your first musical choice, Frank Toomey, is from the sound of music. I was very young and kind of open to be my ideas being formed. I lived in England at the time because I lived in England for a short time when I was younger. The Sound of Music came out and I was taken to the cinema. Now, if you can imagine, a small boy from Cork in living in Bristol, which was like London or whatever, mm. and I'm taken to the Odeon Cinema to see in, in Panavision as well, came out. Yeah. You know, white screen and oh, and But the song I remember most from that is Julie Andrews and, and Christopher Plummer and the gazebo. She was sent back by the nuns to fall in love with the captain. Yeah. That was an order now. That wouldn't happen today, does you and I know. <laughs> but in any case, she was sent back to fall in love with the captain and the seven children. And they sang this in the gazebo. It's called Something Good. You know why I like it when you hear it. Des's Island Discs on RTE Radio 1. That's Something Good from The Sound of Music, the choice of today's guest, a core comedian and actor Frank Toomey and Frank living in Bristol for a few years yeah. that, that was a big change from Cork it was a huge change Des and you're a GM I know no, and you would know this right I remember the first thing that struck me was games on games day we went out to uh, to talk off and uh, the gym teacher out of a sense of maybe just to make me feel at home or whatever put me playing centre forward in a soccer game mm-hmm. Uh, I sure I didn't know what I was doing, you know. I was trying not, not to handle the ball. <laughs> and uh, the guy was saying, uh, look, you're playing centre-forward, Irish. OK, centre-forward. And I was trying to explain, no, no, but my, I don't know anything about that. My brother plays for the Glenovers in Cork. Do you ever hear Arling? 
Like, I loved those two, those two years living away from home. I suppose because I knew it wasn't going to be forever. Mm. I came home, we came home in 1966, three years later, because yeah. my sister was getting married and um, we were coming home. So I was back in Cork after three years and within a very short time, Sean O'Shea, as in Alaloo, Bulaloo, mm. Sean Poker. O'Shea, yeah. on Pucker, yeah. yeah. He was my teacher and within a sh- few short months, because he was a, a ferocious Gregor, I remember him, <laughs> I was speaking Irish with an English accent, Des. That's the truth. <laughs> but the, did you have any problems being a little Irish fellow over there with the English lads? They well, no not, no, I, I didn't, I, I saw it in terms of like there would be signs in the shops like no Irish and no dogs. I don't know if I was trying to put on an English accent. I don't actually think I was, or I don't believe I was. I think that children are very susceptible to picking up on um, on, on whatever tone is going on around them. And I very quickly had an English accent. And whether I had or not, when I would go to the shops, I would talk to anybody, to be honest with you. Yeah. And they used to call me Irish. What do you want today, my love? Yeah. And, uh, like, nobody ever kind of gave me any kind of overt uh, racism. Yeah. Um, it was just, it was the only difficulty, if you would want to call it that, would have been, I miss my mum. But other than that, it was like an adventure. And, and, and looking back on it, a hugely happy time. In my childhood, yeah. yeah. So then, then I came home and um, did did all the normal things like finished school, went got an apprenticeship. Um, Apprentice what? Well, actually, I worked in the in what would be Post and Telegraphs telephones. Yeah. Yeah, but but I also had now at this stage a kind of a parallel career going in um, amateur dramatics, yeah. right? And Tops of the Tones was a huge kind of platform at that time. Yes. I remember actually, actually, just when I did come home, my brother who, who played for the Glen, right? Mm. He, he used to buy the records. He he had the job, and he'd like nearly buy an album every week. Mm. And I'd be warned, like, "No, Junior, you are not to play that record because that's belonged to Mossy. <laughs> and if he fears that you're playing the record while he's at work, there'll be murder in the house." I was even playing uh, LPs. At 45 days, which is, <laughs> you know, 33, to, yeah. yeah, instead of yeah. 33, I forget yeah. to back to speed. I didn't know, I just thought the Beatles were very kind of high-pitched <laughs> for ages and ages until I slowed them down. I loved, the thing I loved about Sgt Pepper was that the album was, I didn't know then, but just the fact that it was produced if you know what I mean, that all the songs segued into each other and there was little intros and like no two songs were, were similar and there was a team, a bit of a team. I loved from the very first moment I saw it, the intro uh, to When I'm 64, when I heard it, I loved it. Uh, and little did I know it is that I would see 64 and come out the other side of it. Yeah. <laughs> And did Mossy find out that you were playing his albums? Oh, Mossy found out, and uh, he did. There was, uh, but th- do you know what? He he kind of overlooked it. I still used to get the the the, the half a crown because my job was to get all his hurling gear ready and put it in the bag and be, have it ready for training. 
because he'd be coming in from work and be busy kind of getting himself washed and scrubbed and whatever. I'd have to be putting stuff into the bag. And that was that was my early G. I was promising this, but only in the under-14s once I grew up, that all left me. <laughs> But but the Beatles then became your your were they your favorite band of that? They were, I think they were everybody's favorite band then, uh, for a few years. Like I remember when they split, the the effect that had on me, I thought, my God, like the the world must be going to end soon, if the Beatles are are splitting, but they it didn't. Let's hear when I'm sixty four. That's me. The Beatles. Des's Island Discs on RTE Radio 1. That's the Beatles there, the choice of today's guest, comedian and actor Frank Toomey. So Frank, from the young Cork man who was working in Post and Telegraph yeah. and also doing Tops of the Town, uh, where did you progress to then? I progressed to, like I said, I moved to Dublin to take up the acting full time, as I say. Yeah. Uh, and that was interspersed then with lot, loads of kind of out of work periods. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Resting, yeah. they called it. Um, which I always thought was hilarious. Resting. Because it's not a term you could kind of casually throw by a landlord on a Friday night <laughs> if you came around saying, and he's saying, the rent there, Frank. No. Do you know what? No, I'm resting. I've been resting now for weeks. So that brought pressures, obviously. Well... It did. It did bring pressures, but I was resourceful, if nothing else, as I kind of used to come back to Cork. I remember I got a job in a cafe run by a friend of mine who has since departed. His name is Oliver Cogan. God, be good to him. But the place was owned by a James O'Flynn who's not departed, and him and Katie are probably listening. So how are you, do, you doing, you two? I was doing kind of part-time waiting. I... The only thing that changed there was I changed the venues for the waiting. I went to doing waiter in the Trocadero in Dublin yeah. in between jobs. And I stayed at that until 1994. I was, at that stage, RT had a Bosco for every day of the week mm. and including like Paddy's Day, Halloween, Easter, whatever, yeah. you name it, we yeah. the boss go for it. And it used to go out every day, so it didn't really matter what I did. And there weren't very many offers. I was doing Nighthawks, like, and it, that seemed like to... But that was a great to, show. It was it? a brilliant show. I yeah. loved doing Shea that. Shea Healy, yeah. Yeah, Shea and um, Philip Kampf yeah. gave me the gig. I loved doing it. Mm. But again, no matter what I did, I, I got a, a six-week stint on Fair City did once. Basically, we were two, uh, what were we? We were from a, a cult and we came back to bring a man, the kid from McCoy's, back to the cult uh, with us because uh, the cult was kind of dying off and they needed to bring this lad back. Uh, there's a true story. I, I got off a bus in South William Street, bottom of Grafton Street, walking along by the old McCullough pickets and there was guys in, and it was even more hurtful for me because they would have been telephone technicians mm. in a tent Right, and yeah. I'm just walking by, feeling very fabulous, having got off the uh, the, the bus from Donnybrook, and I'm swishing along, and one of them shouts from the tent, "Here, here, Bosco, <laughs> leave that young fella alone." <laughs> the young lad in McCoy's, because we were trying to get him to come back with the cult. The cult. And uh, so I moved back to Cork. That was around about '94. Moved back to Cork, started working in radio. 
teamed up with Alan Short and we we did a thing called This Short Circus. Yeah. They turned that into Bull Island. That's right, yeah. And then I teamed up with Paki O'Callaghan and we wrote a stage show called Santa Panza or Bust. Now, we did five of them. Yeah. And they were hugely successful. We went on Dragon's Den. We thought we'd never see a poor day when when they took off this, the, the Santa Panza shows after the Dragon's Den. Yeah. Like, it's the Dragon's never, ever did all five of them come on and back a project. In fact, I didn't even want to go on the show. Packy came down to me and said, listen, I've organised this for us to go on the Dragon's Den to uh, to pitch. And yeah. they've said yes. And I, and I was in my kitchen saying, sure, of course they said yes. Are you off your head? Sure, they'll be laughing at us. Sure, every fella's going up there selling laptops and <laughs> smartphones and you want them to, to back the stage show. Yeah. You must be off your head. And sure, listen, they, they did. We never actually had to take up that offer, that money rather, mm-hmm. because we had so much work coming in that we were busy and on the road for a year. And and that's why of of that was the very first Santa Ponce we did. Part Act Two opened with the two wives, Carmel and Noreen, in a hotel bar, waiting on the on the husbands as women do. Uh, the one comes into the other and says something like, you know, and he's saying, am I for that? I don't know, I don't know where they're gone. Here they mind them, we'll have a drink, we'll be put our names up for the karaoke. Mm. No, at lunchtime when we were going in for the rehearsals of that, the song on the running order was going to be YMCA. Do you remember that? Yeah, of course. Yeah. And the only reason it was on the, the thing at all, there's no, is that there was choreography to it in that everyone would do the letters YMCA. Yeah. And it was a huge karaoke hit. The stage manager, a fellow called Jim Newman, said, why are you doing YMCA? Do you mind me asking? I said, because it's very popular. He said, not with this audience, Frank. No, not that's a... Uh, anyway, Packy's terrible at the dancing. <laughs> <laughs> so he said... And I said, and Michael, and Michael Toomey, who's since gone to heaven, mm. said... Um, uh, and what, Jim, what would you have them do, lad? And he said, uh, look, there's only one song at this stage, The Fields of Attenroy. That's yeah. the one, says Toomey, that's the one. Put it on there till we have a listen. And the rest is history. We, When we play that, there's, there used to come a point when we would just stop singing. And to hear an entire theatre full, I don't know if... And the reason I'm saying it is that... I don't know if we'll ever see that happen again, with the help of God we will. Mm. But to see and hear a full theatre of 600 people who, after all, came in the door as like strangers on that night, to hear them singing back at you, the fields of Athenroy, would give you goosebumps where you never had them. Mm. I can imagine. I can yeah. imagine. Just before we hear it and play out with it, Frank, mm. I have to ask you, you're Mary O'Rourke on the Funny Fridays and, and is led, yes, is Please led. don't go down that road because I'll get you out of your story. I was in the middle of a, of, of a show there that I was doing a one-man show which I want to plug, by the way. There's, my email is franktoomey8 at gmail.com but in any case, I was doing a reprieve of that which, to put it mildly, wasn't going too well because we were clashing with the car culture night. In any case, uh, the phone rang and it was some woman called Sandra from uh, Tyrone Productions. She said, listen, Frank, am I speaking to Frank Toomey? You are. She said, "Uh, we're doing a panel show and uh, would you be interested in coming on? I said, would I? Who else is going to be on it? 
She said, Pat Spillane and Mary O'Rourke. Mm. And I said, Mary O'Rourke, the politician? She said, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I said, I used to do her. And she said, I beg your pardon? I said, I used to take her off in a, in a, in a previous programme. She said, oh, my goodness. Uh, I said, what's it called? And she said, uh, don't be offended by the title. No, don't be offended by the title. And I said, what's it called? She said, agony OAPs. Mm-hmm. I said, agony OAPs. And yeah. what, what are you ringing me for? No. Subsequently, it's on RT Player, by the yeah, way, all six it, episodes. It, yeah, uh, apparently, it, uh, like, well, not apparently, it is quite funny. Yeah. But the star of that, and I have to say hello to her if she's listening, is, is Mirror. Because can you imagine, for me, the kind of sense of, oh, my God, how, how things go around and come all the way around? Yeah. Uh, like, here was a woman who was a government minister, not once, but many times, and I was kind of, taking her off and giving her a fairly rough ride at the time and now we're on the same panel uh, dealing with questions, online questions she is not a lady who uh, is kind of going away today or tomorrow no, let me say that. That's for sure yeah. but thank you for asking me about her Des and I will pass on the felicitations you never know how hard it was for me to say that, felicitations there you go Frank Toomey, it's been a pleasure chatting with you. It really has. And, and you too, Des. And Thank we're you, going to play friend. out with that song that gives you goosebumps, The Fields of Athenry. God bless. Des's Island Discs on RTE Radio 1.